Hi, this is Kevin and Micah, and we're here to help. Welcome back to another episode of Here to Help. Hey, baby, how you doing? Good, how are you? <laughs> I like having her up here. This is fun. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode, and I am really enjoying the last couple episodes where we got to talk to folks, and you and I talked. And then about a week, a little over a week ago, got to speak with our third born, Joshua the third, and just really good, had a lot of feedback, and we want to continue that. And for the last um, few days, I've been really meditating and praying about what God would have us to talk about. And we have unique stories, and you and I have unique experiences. And I felt that God led me to want to talk about um, living with chronic pain and living with physical limitations because that's something that you and I are very familiar with and so I think for the next few minutes we're just gonna have a conversation and if you join us for our conversation that'd be great as we talk about living with chronic pain or physical limitations and I hope it's helped to you and we'll get right into it you remember in 2nd Corinthians, Paul was talking about the dude that got to go to heaven and see heaven and came back. And, mm-hmm. and part of that testimony, um, part of that letter, Paul makes a statement. I want to read it to you. Um, and it's, he says something like this in 2nd Corinthians chapter 12. We're gonna, I want to start in verse 7 and kind of get our mind wrapped around this thing about living with chronic pain and physical limitations. The Bible says in 2nd Corinthians 12, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations. Paul said, he said, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. He called it a messenger of Satan to buffet him, to, to, to knock him down, lest he should be exalted above measure. Many people believe, and I believe that he was talking about because he was the one that got to see into heaven, which would be really cool. But he said, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, I sought the Lord thrice. Three times he went to the Lord that God would heal him or help him through this thing this infirmity and and jesus said to them my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness most gladly therefore paul said i would rather glory in my infirmities he said i'm going to take this infirmity that i have and there's thousands of different opinions what that infirmity was but he said my, my he said i'm going to glory in my infirmities why he said so the power of christ can rest upon me he said, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake. And he said, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And I got to thinking about that. And you know, I um, think you're like the coolest, most amazing person ever. And if you know my wife, you know that it is true that she is. But Paul, he said that he was going to glory in his infirmities. Um, he said, I'm going to rest in the strength and power of God and the power of Christ. He said, because when I'm made weak in my infirmities and I'm resting in God's power, he said, that's when I have strength. And I think that's a powerful, powerful statement. And, I th- and I, that's what I kind of wanted to get you, your take on this, because I know for the last, well, I'll, I'll, I'll lead into this. What I'd like you to do is I want to tell your story. I want to ask you what was the source of your chronic pain? I know I know he had some relief. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, but for the last quite a while, you've dealt with chronic pain. Why don't you tell us about that? I think it's kind of cool. Um, well, probably in my, I want to say my early 30s, probably 32, 
I started having knee problems, like just feeling like just a little bit of pain and not being able to, I remember we went for a walk one time when the kids were little and I couldn't keep up with everybody because my knee just felt like it was like catching and hurting. And, um, so that's kind of when I started noticing it when I was, you know, my early thirties and then towards the middle thirties to 40, it just progressively got really, you know, really bad, but I could still pretty much do everything. I just had pain all the time. And then <laughs> the last, I don't know, until I had my knees done, like from 40 till I was what 48 when I had right. them. Um, those probably seven or eight years was just excruciating. Like every step I took was just horrible pain. I remember, and I tell, of course, I brag on my wife in public all the time. Um, <clears throat> do you remember we went to go watch, what movie did we go watch? I can't remember. I think it was like one of the Marvel movies or something. And, oh yeah. And we're going to take the kids to, you know, one of the, oh, it was the Spider-Man movie. We want to go see that Spider-Man movie. And sure enough, the one time we decided to take my car, because <laughs> Micah had one of those little walkers that had wheels on it, but you could also turn around and sit in it. And our custom was when we went somewhere, you would use that to get out of the car and get into the store, and you'd turn around and plop down in it, and one of us would push you around while someone else pushed the car around. And that was probably the, at least the last year, mm -hmm. year and a half, two years, it got so bad. And I remember that time... We took the kids to watch Spider-Man, and you were in so much pain. Mm -hmm. And it just happened to be that the movie theater, yes, we go to the movies. Please don't crucify us. And, um, <laughs> but so, so I remember we, it just happened to be the movie theater on the very far end of the movie theater. <laughs> you know, it's one of those places that had like 15 movie theaters. And we didn't bring your, your, your walkie stroller thing. And basically, Josh and I had to carry you, too, because your knee just gave out. Well, we were at, um, we had gone out to dinner first, and when we got up to leave, that's when something happened, and I could barely make it to the car, and then, so you were just, everybody's like, well, we can just go home, Mom, but I knew how much the kids were looking forward to seeing that movie, so I'm like, no, we're going, we're going to go, but you were on one side, and Josh was on the other, and they had to just about carry me, and it was so much... I was almost crying in pain. And that was still months to your first knee surgery, wasn't it? That was... Yeah, probably six months or so. So, but yet you still did, and we'll get to what you did before your surgeries. Now, I want to talk a little bit about me. So everybody knows that, so, oh, well, a year and a half ago you had the surgeries. When was your first one? It was... January, February? January, Oh. January, a year and a half ago. Yeah. And then the six months after that, I had my second one done in July. So it's been about a year and a half since you had your second one done and mm -hmm. completely new, new lease on life. Mm -hmm. You're still rehabilitating. Our our son, the physical trainer, is still trying <laughs> to whip her into shape and, and help her. You know, the just the ligaments and the bones and the mobility and flexibility was just gone from basically being mm -hmm. basically wheelchair bound, you know, barely hobbling. We had a, we had bar stool by the stove so you could sit down while you cooked. We had the little walker thing you could use around the house. We took it with us everywhere we went. <laughs> and 
yet you did so much, which we'll get to in a sec. I want to tell a little bit about my story. I was born with pulmonary stenosis. I think it runs in my family. I think my dad has it. I think his dad had it. Um, our son Christopher had it. And each year, each person, it got progressively worse. And growing up, um, I always had shortness of breath. I always couldn't. Uh, my pediatrician, Dr. Hall, would never let me do any sports. Um, I was always limited in what I could do, just hiking, walking. I'd have to stop, catch breath. Um, even now, you know, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu like an insane person because I'm dumb. Um, I still have to be careful. I still, I can't get overexert myself. I have to make sure I'm deep breathing, physical work. Remember when I was, I was working with, um, at the, at the car dealership, you know, working on cars, that was fun. Um, but even that, not even close to you, but even that, just that physical limitation of not even being able to physically work phys like I, like I wanted to. And so we look at those kind of situations. We look at your chronic pain. We look at my limitations. Yours was pain. Mine was limits. And that's what I kind of wanted to have a quick chat about is um, how how did you keep going? You know what I mean? I want to I want to get into that. I thought of these these things. So during those last five eight five to eight years. How did you do what you did? I still don't understand it. Your doctors don't understand it. You, <laughs> you know, you you had you t took care of all of us, wife, uh, mother. Um, you know, you're a pastor's wife, so you're busy with ministry constantly. You keep a perfect house. The house is always perfect, um, ready at a moment's notice to entertain, even when you're in your worst pain. You were always cooking for us. You always held the last few years um, since we've been back from Michigan. You always held part-time job, sometimes full-time jobs, along with homeschooling. How did you do that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You just do it. I because mean, literally, you, you lived with literally not just, it's not like me with a little pain in my back, you know, or a little shoulder pain because I rolled hard. You literally had debilitating chronic pain to just be on your feet. Right. What? I have a friend who has, who has um, a, a debilitating sickness, and people that have that same sickness, they're they're all on disability. They all don't work. They don't, and yet you and so, and people ask him, well, how do you, why do you keep working? He says, I just do it. I, I don't know how you did that for all those years. I still don't know how because you're still not completely <laughs> rehabilitated. I don't know. I just did it. And even the, my um, physical therapist, after I saw him almost a year after my surgeries, and I told him I drove a bus, and he's like, well, how would you even get in and out of the bus? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I just did it. You'd take the first step and push strength. from behind. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, you just do what you have to do. Well, let's go down this road. How do you prioritize what to do when you're limited? Because, I mean, literally, I mean, I hate to brag on you because I do it all the time, but you literally, the house was always perfect. We limited you. We wouldn't let you go in the basement and do laundry. 
that you were not you were forbidden in the basement right and we pretty much didn't let you come upstairs to the, to the second floor of the house so you're basically a ground floor girl <laughs> but yet you still did it how do you how did you prioritize well thankfully our kids were always always a huge help um especially the younger two because they were still home when it got really bad and you know they would always do the laundry for at least they would do it and bring it up and I could fold it and stuff but um but they were just very helpful and then when we did school the schoolroom was upstairs so I they knew I could only come up once and go down once like once I was you know so we had to try to get everything that we needed to do in the schoolroom done you know and then if I had to go downstairs, we would just have to take our schoolwork downstairs because I couldn't do it twice in one day. But. So how do you prioritize? <clears throat> what I'm curious, because I want to give some folks something to help them. How would you prioritize? Because you had, you know, housework, cooking, cleaning, um, schoolwork. You worked a job. Um, you did church stuff constantly. We were at church all the time helping clean and fix things and serve. And What did you do for, did you take lots of breaks? Did you rest? I know we did the walker thing. I know we had stools all the time. But how did you know or what did you use as your limiter to, to make sure that you just were able to keep going? I just had to rest in between everything. Like I knew... You know, thankfully our house is small, <laughs> so I could vacuum and then I would have to sit and rest for 20 minutes and then I would do one more chore. Like I would dust or I would clean the bathroom, um, do some dishes, but I had to do in between each chore I did, I'd have to sit and rest my knees so I could, you know, use them again for 10 minutes, you know, <laughs> and I remember like. I always felt bad, especially those last few years. I couldn't go shopping with the kids or like, remember, I'd have to sit in the car when you would go in right. with the kids or, um, and then we started doing, thankfully they have grocery pickup because that got impossible right. to go into the grocery store anymore. So you just, I don't know, you just have to make concessions for it, you know, and so if we had someone that was listening to us mm -hmm. or you had someone come to you for counsel, because, I mean, you are an amazing counselor, um, what would you say to someone who's dealing with chronic pain, whatever that is, or severe physical limitation, and yet they want to serve the Lord, they want to be a good wife or husband, they want to help others, they want to live life but they have chronic pain. How, what, because I can't speak into that. I don't know what chronic pain is. I know what limitations are, but how would you speak to someone that said, I have a debilitating back pain or I have debilitating migraines. Oh, we have that too. Um, <laughs> but how would you motivate someone to help them find life and to be able to live life? What would you say to them? What would be the first few things you would say to them? Probably the first thing is, you know, try not to feel sorry for yourself. Like, because if you did and you just sat there and didn't do any, like if you just laid in bed and didn't try to get up and do, you know, 
what you need to do, then you would just be more depressed. So it's better to just get up and to try and, um, you know, just live your life. You can't let your, you know, I know sometimes your limitations or your pain is going to keep you from doing a lot of things, but, you know, do what you can do and just keep going. And, you know, if there is something like a surgery that you can have, then, you know, have, get that done like we did. We had to wait because of my age. But right. um, as soon as I could, the doctor said that I could have the surgery, we went and did it because we knew, you know. That was your only hope. That was my only hope to going back to live in, you know. Well, let's let you, so. you brought the topic of, of depression. Mm-hmm. You know, I struggle with depression. And one thing that really triggers my depression is when I physically can't do something. Um, how do I get when it comes to getting frustrated with, say, memorizing or being able to do a martial art? Is that I'm really good? I I don't get depressed or down at all, do I? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you and you have struggled with some emotional struggles too, and I know a lot of it was triggered by your physical limitations and your pain. How did you not? become so overwhelmed with depression and anxiety and and just feeling sorry for yourself and just hating life how did you not because i know we we do the whole you know walking with god and all that stuff but what are some we can get into that sometimes we do need to talk about journaling me and you need to talk about that some more um i had some comments about that so i don't want to hit that one we'll come back to that another episode but how do you what would how would you help someone avoid the depression and the struggle and the 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 wanting to just lay in bed and die or give up or just you know sit around eating bonbons and collecting social security? Um, how how would you encourage someone to not get overwhelmed with depression? Just basically just to keep to keep doing or keep going. Don't give up. Um, cause there's always something you can do. Like I remember like, especially towards the end before my surgery, um, Kim at church, you know, she's blind and she couldn't, we would have a meal at church every week back then. And obviously she can't get her own food cause she can't, you know, she's blind. And so I would like take her plate and we would go up and I would get her her plate and she'd be like, Micah, you can't barely walk. <laughs> the How cri- are you? The crippled, yeah. the blind. <laughs> and I said, but I'll use, I said, you have legs and I have eyes. So together we'll, <laughs> we'll get it. And we would just kind of make a joke. You know, we'd laugh about it because she's such an amazing woman too. I mean, she's doesn't, can't see. I should have John bring her over and that would be a fun interview too. That would be. Um, but she's such an amazing, I mean, you, she never lets her um, disability of being blind. I mean, she's always at church. She's never, you know, depressed or sad or she's always happy. She's just really... So I remember thinking, you know, if she can do it... (laughs) I remember she used to clean the church when she was blind until she fell and couldn't do it anymore. But she just never quit, you know. And I remember thinking, I can't, you know... You can't let that blind lady outdo you. (laughs) No. No. So how much of service and ministry and living for others, how much of that was 
and I'm not talking about just me and the children. I'm talking outside of home. How much of that was a motivation and a, a catalyst for keeping going? Was that a big part, or was it mostly just us? It was, I, th- I would say both, especially like, um, I had my surgery in January and Chris passed away the end of, um, October. Yes. So I remember, you know, it was just literally just a few months after he died that I was having my first surgery. And I remember thinking it was almost like, you know, I knew we were dealing with grief at the same time right? and physical pain. And so I thought, you know, if I can get better where I can help people instead of, you know what I mean? Like, yes. Like it was more of a, a focus of not only my grief and physical pain, but if I can just, you know, get my knees fixed so I can be more of a help to other people, then it would help both aspects of my pain, you know? Right. And also, cause I knew, um, before Chris died, he knew about my surgery coming and he was so excited about it. Um, like he mentioned it, I don't know how many times about how excited he was. So I'm like, I don't know. It was almost like, I just have to, I have to get it done. Even though I was scared to have my knees done, but I'm like, I just have to get this done and I have to, you know, just go on to help other people as much as I can. Anyway. What'd you do when the pain was too much? And I know there were times when the pain was too much. What what was the... I, I don't... I still don't comprehend. I know we've hit it a little bit. I know there was times the pain was too much. And yet you still kept going. And I, I, when, when the hurt was overpowering the desire... Mm-hmm. where the pain was more than the want to and yet you still did and it, most people don't understand that your surgeon when they did the one knee you had flow bone floating in your knee mm-hmm. every every step you took it was even painful just laying down right so what happens when the hurt overpowers the want to or the need to? What would you say to someone? Because there were times when you did do that, when that was like that for you. And yet you still kept going, even though the hurt was far greater than, than the need. We could have filled in. We still could have, I could have cooked. The kids could have done more. We, even though even though they did amazing. I'm not, I don't want to think I'm disparaging them because they did amazing. Mm-hmm. But we still could have found a way to get help. What What would you say to that? How did you keep going? Well, a lot of it was the kids because I didn't want them. Because they used to worry so much about my knees and stuff and me being in pain. And, and so a lot of times I would just, I would just go ahead and do what I was, was doing and try to act like I wasn't hurting because I didn't want them to worry. And I knew if I just laid in bed and didn't... <laughs> didn't get up, you know, I, they would be even more worried. Um, so a lot of it was for them, you know, cause I didn't want to just give up and you know what I mean? What would you say to someone that didn't have 
those two looking to at you longingly for help or longingly in worry and struggle, what would, what do you think you would say to someone that didn't have Josh and Jay? Just think of everyone has somebody in their life that's looking to them or, you know, yeah. whether it's a parent or a, you know, a sister or brother or somebody that you can look to and say, you know, I'm going to do it for them, not only for myself, but for them because, you know, they need me or your church needs you or, you yeah. know, God has these things for you to do. Um, so, yeah, you just have to find someone and a purpose. Mm. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I think that's enough for today. I think I think the best thing is find a reason to do more. Find a reason. Mm-hmm. Find a catalyst. Like Paul said, when I when I'm resting in the power of Christ, even though the infirmity I have, whether it was from the you know, arthritis, the beatings, the some people mentioned that he might have been blind, you know, in his later years. And yet he said, in my infirmities, I find strength because I'm leaning on Christ. And how much of that is last final little thing? How much of that is, do you think was a, a part of a factor to someone who really doesn't know what it means to have an intimate relationship with Jesus or to even be a follower of Jesus? Um, how much of that do you think was was a help, your your relationship with the Lord, not just your desire to help me and the kids and church and how much of, of your leaning on Christ do you think helped? Oh, a lot because I would just pray every day for strength to get through that day, you know, cause I knew, I remember I would tell you, I'd wake up each morning and I'm like, how am I going to get through another day of just every step, every movement, just pain. Right. And I would just pray in the morning that God would help me get through it and, you know, and he did. So, and I knew, I think knowing also that, you know, something can be done about it eventually, that's a help too. Um, which I know some diseases and things, you don't have that. Um, but I always felt fortunate that, that there was something, something that, you know, hmm. that could help, which helped a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Man, she's an amazing lady. I love her so much. You know, we all have limitations. We all have our struggles. We all have pain. And if you don't wait till you hit 50, because, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, man, that tire is going to go flat. You're going to need to change that oil. Something's going to go wrong. I just wanted you to just get a peek into what Micah went through, what it means to have chronic pain, and yet to be such a champion such an amazing amazing person and i hope this was a help to you if you'd like to reach out to us it's here to help ministry at gmail.com or reach out through us through uh, facebook messenger or we'd love to hear from you and please reach out to us we, we want to hear from you um, you have things you want us to pray for about with you we'd love you for you to do that also and we love you let's have a great week if you're struggling if you're hurting please reach out and uh, just let us know how we can pray for you and be your friend. We love you. Let's have a great week.